Hi, and welcome back to NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts. I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. The NFL playoffs are here. So before we dive in, we're going to be diving into the games in a later podcast later in the week. Today, we're going to go through each and every team, 1 through 14, and just kind of lay out where they stand among the rest of the playoff teams and what what's a realistic goal and maybe what is this a team that maybe could do serious damage? Are they looking at maybe a future run in later years after this year? We'll get into everything regarding the postseason. So, Shy, let's get right into it because it's game time. So, Shy, we're going to start with the NFC. And we're going to start with the seven seed. And that is the Chicago Bears. The Bears, despite losing to the Packers, are in because the Cardinals lost to the Rams and are now in the playoffs at 8-8. So if you're a Bears fan, what's a realistic goal as we enter the postseason? Yeah, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm, I, I'm feeling happy to even be in the postseason at this point, right? You got in, you know, you needed some help. Yeah, you controlled your own destiny, but, you know, you lost to the Packers, really haven't played great football this year, season inconsistent quarterback play has plagued you you're you're happy to be in and really in you always want to root for your team and and set the standard high but i think at this point you have to be realistic and you know especially given their matchup against the two seed which is the new orleans saints and we'll get into that more later you you, this is a team which is probably going to make a first round exit unfortunately and you, you don't um really have high expectations if I'm a Bears fan. What I'm looking for, though, is that Bears offense and Mitch Trubisky. Can he show some development, show that he's worth giving another try? Because really, if, if they can stay in it um, and, and against New Orleans, which is a really tough team, then I think um, from, a, from an evaluating perspective, yeah, they could be back here in a few years if that defense continues to play good football. Yeah, I think we both agree that all eyes will be on Mitchell Trubisky this Sunday. He's an upcoming free agent. Do the Bears give him the franchise tag? I don't think you can sign him to a long-term deal because there's just been too much inconsistency there. But remember, Shy, and a lot of people forget this, these two teams played each other. You know, the game was in Chicago, which is obviously much tougher weather for the Saints. But I believe that game did go into overtime, if I'm not mistaken so right the bears have shown that they can at least limit this saints offense you know 26 points and you know 26 points is you know it's not incredible but when you are facing an offense like the new Orleans saints and you can hold them to 26 points that's doing a pretty good job and you are at least giving your offense a chance to win the game so we've seen this bears team be able to hang in with the saints and i think with the addition of Mitchell Trubisky, as we've seen these last few weeks, is the mobility. You know, Nick Foles, can you escape a rusher and make a throw on the move every once in a while? Yes. But Mitchell Trubisky is really a guy who can create with his legs. He can make plays consistently with his legs. And against the Saints defense that is one of the best in the NFL and has been very consistent all year long, you're trying to throw as many things as you can at the Saints defense to try to confuse him or in any way get him off their game. So the additional Mitchell Trubisky's legs, I think the Bears really are going to have to maximize if 
Uh, they're going to want to make a run, not just against the St. Stephens, but against any of the more elite teams in the NFL. But oh, as you were saying, all eyes will be on Mitchell Trubisky. Big game for him. You know, we saw him against Philly where he was inconsistent, but you know, obviously got overshadowed by the you know missed field goal by Cody Parkey. But he led a game-winning drive, what should have been a game-winning drive, in the final minute when the Bears needed him most. So if he can put those drives together, you know, those type of drives together against a an elite defense. The Saints are truly an elite defense. I think if you're Chicago, I think you may you might have to give him some kind of franchise tag or one year deal. I this de- obviously though the foundation is on this defense, and if the Bears do want to make a run, they're going to have to rely on their defense. Yeah, Alex, this defense is going to keep them in games. Um, we've seen that through this season, and on offense, they're going to have to. Yes, Mitchell Trubisky. They're going to have to rely on him at some point. This is playoff football. But you want to take that pressure off. You want to give the ball to David Montgomery when you can. Although I think playing a really good rushing defense in the Saints, it's going to be hard. To David Montgomery, though, over these last few weeks, has been one of the best running backs in the NFL. Really, since Trubisky came back. And I think, you know, we I talked about Trubisky's legs. I think the addition of having a quarterback who can keep it and run has also opened things up in other ways for guys like David Montgomery to have incredible rushing games and for the Bears to really take some pressure off the arm of Mitchell Trubisky. And again, they're going to have to continue to do that. And it's going to be a really tall task against the run defense and an overall defense like the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, like I definitely agree with you um, on all accounts. David Montgomery has to be featured in this offense uh, for them to to have a shot. So I guess that that's going to kind of wrap it up on the Bears front. We obviously we're not going to exactly make game picks. We're going to dive probably more into both sides in a podcast later in the week. But it does sound like it would be a long shot for the Bears to make an extended run this January. So, Shai, now let's go to the sixth seed in the NFC, that being the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams, at this point, we don't even know who's going to be their quarterback. There's maybe some optimism, cautiously op- cautiously optimistic maybe, for the Rams that golf will start. But it is looking like the Rams might have to go to, with Johnny Wolford. And even if Jared Goff does start, that's pretty... You know, he, said, he just had surgery on his throwing thumb. And having, really now, four healthy fingers on your throwing hand, that makes a huge difference. So a Rams team that, I think, I believe they had one of, if not the best defenses in the NFL this year, <clears throat> excuse me, is going to have to heavily rely on that defense. Maybe a lot like the Chicago Bears... And that's just maybe not something we thought heading into the season or really just a few weeks ago. Yeah, like some of Rams fan, I have a little bit of a sick feeling in my stomach because I really think this team could have, you know, been a team to make a splash in the postseason, create a couple of upsets. Um, given that that defense is so good and that running game is is, is potent um, with Sean McVay's running scheme, they have uh, Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown. Uh, Daryl Henderson, they've got the pieces there, and when they're all together, it's really 
uh, quite the three-headed monster uh, running there in the backfield. And then, you know, Jared Goff, when he takes care of the football, this team plays really well, and they're able to knock knock out some juggernauts. Um, it was a while ago when we saw them, you know, beat Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa Bay wasn't playing their best football then, but, but still, I think that shows, a, you know, the, that, that kind of potential that they had coming in here if they had a healthy Jared Goff. But with, a, with Johnny Walford, it's, it's going to be much harder for them to sustain uh, that offense and rely on that play action and get the ball into, into their uh, playmakers like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Well, remember, in two games against the Seattle Seahawks earlier in the year, so we get a fun Rams-Seahawks three-peat now. But in the two games earlier in the year, the Rams' defense held Seattle to combine 36 points in the two games. So that's, what, 18 points per game? I mean, that's elite defense against an elite quarterback in Russell Wilson. This Falcons offense, or it's not Falcons, the Seahawks offense, wrong bird. The Seahawks offense has been elite. It's been inconsistent throughout this year, but we know what it can do. So for the Rams' defense to be that dominant, I, they're going to have to be that again. And we saw... The, good. If you're a Rams fan, though, you are encouraged. And we have to go to the offensive side of the ball for that, and that's because you're getting two healthy stars. You should be getting two healthy stars back, and that's Andrew Whitworth. Tore, I believe, his MCL... Looked like he'd be out for the year, but it looks like he will be making a big return, shoring up this offensive line where when you're dealing with an injured, with a bit of an injured quarterback or a rookie quarterback, you have to protect him at all costs. Second, hopefully for the Rams, you should be getting Cooper Cup back. Cup was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. He tested positive for COVID-19, but hopefully if he does recover in time, he'll be able to play. So, Wolford, if he is the starter or an injured golf, better protection with Andrew Whitworth as your left tackle, and also you're getting one of your best receivers. I will say, Wolford made some nice throws against the Cardinals. There were throws that you say, wow, that is an NFL throw. The biggest problem the Rams had was punching the ball in at the goal line. They could not, they would get into the red zone at a pretty consistent rate, I thought, when you look at the 18 points, a big reason why they only scored 18 is because they kept settling for field goals. Now, obviously, that worked, especially with Kyler Murray missing most of the game. And even when he was in, he was obviously nowhere close to 100%, nowhere close to even 75%. But against a healthy Seahawks offense and an offense that should, should be able to put points on the board, settling for field goals isn't going to cut it. So the, for me, the key for the Rams, not just in this game, but going forward through however long, however much longer their season is, they have to score touchdowns as field goals aren't going to cut it. So Rams offense, they are getting healthy. It should help whoever is at quarterback, but they're going to have to ride that defense. And when they do get opportunities, especially in the red zone, they have to capitalize. Yeah, looking toward the future, the, when I look at this team... And I may be getting a little nitpicky here, but we're talking about, you know, eventual Super Bowl aspirations. I think, you know, they, they can be coming back here within the coming years. That defense, um, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, I don't think are going anywhere anytime soon. Um, 
So the, the real question for me is Jared Goff. Is he the long-term answer? Yes, he got his money. Um, it, you know, it looks like that's their plan. But the question is, he is he good enough to to win a Super Bowl with? I think you can win with him. The question is, can he step up when the when the biggest moments matter? Which we saw he couldn't in the Super Bowl. Now, we'll, and who knows if he'll get another shot? But I think you can win with him. I just don't know if he'll be the reason why you win with the Rams. But Rams, they're a very good team. Brandon Staley, their uh, rookie defensive coordinator, has done an outstanding job. He'll be getting plenty of head coaching interviews. Probably won't get a job, but if I, you know, if I recall correctly, he's very young, and I wouldn't, I would expect him to be a possible head coach within the next two to three years. So, Shai, let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you mentioned them when they were playing the Rams. And you said how, you know, Rams beat them, but the Buccaneers were not playing their best football. Well, it looks like right now they are playing their best football. Yeah, they've been on a tear recently. The offense, you know, potent. It seems like, you know, Tom Brady's comfortable in this Bruce Arians scheme, taking the shots downfield, the deep ball is sharp, it's crisp, it's clean. Um, and the, the, there's weapons galore. Antonio Brown, he looks like a, like a mini version of himself in Pittsburgh, um, which is obviously dynamic. You know, even especially if Mike Evans, you know, it, it appears that he'll be uh, good, he'll be back um, for the Washington football team. But I again, that's very promising to see him just got him making plays. This run game is a little bit inconsistent, and it's serviceable. I think it can be. It's good enough to you know. If I was kind of comparing it to a run game like the Pittsburgh Steelers have, you know, Steelers are clearly it's not a serviceable. It's not effective. But you know, and as you know, coach. Mike Tomlin says, if you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win. That worries me with Pittsburgh. That doesn't worry me with Tampa um, because I think that, one, that passing offense is really dynamic, and two, they can move the ball on the ground a little bit, and I think it's going to be enough to complement what they can do passing the ball. And then quickly defensively, they've been playing really well on that front seven, but the key for me um, this defense seems to ride and die on these young corners, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. When they're playing good football, when they're well-disciplined, this defense is elite. And when they're not, when they look like rookies and when they're jumping on double moves and, and things of that nature, this defense struggles. That's exactly what I was going to say, especially when you mentioned discipline. Is I think they have a lot of talent, and Todd Bowles overall has done a very good job developing these young cornerbacks. I think you can possibly throw in Sean Bunting in the mix with those kind of young secondary pieces. But they bite on double moves all the time. And that is really a huge Achilles heel for that Buccaneers defense. Great front seven. It really looks like Tom Brady has built an incredible chemistry with Chris Godwin. Even though God, you know, Godwin missed a lot of time. Finally, he's starting to get into the mix. Antonio Brown had 11 catches, multiple touchdowns yesterday. 
He's looked, he's starting to look like the guy maybe we saw in Pittsburgh just a couple years ago. And a lot of it has to do with they're getting on the same page and Tony Brown's learning the offense. I think uh, Evan, Mike Evans and Brady have been on the same page for a few games now. So for their sake, hopefully he'll be back healthy. It looks like his knee injury, although it could hinder him a little bit, it shouldn't be too serious. But it really will come down to the defensive backs. And that's, you know, if Tampa wants to make a long run because this team has Super Bowl aspirations. And although they're not the favorite to make the Super Bowl, I definitely think, you know, they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They're a, you know, team where if you told me that the Buccaneers would be playing in the Super Bowl at their own stadium and winning it, you know, it wouldn't be like, uh, you know, I wouldn't, that's, that wouldn't be my pick at this moment. But I don't think that would surprise anyone. But yeah, the young cornerbacks, and I saw it mainly when I was watching the Buccaneers-Giants game on Monday night. There were some missed throws by Daniel Jones in that game, but it felt like the Giants receivers, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, were getting open each and every play because they were just doing double move after double move. And I don't know if that's on Bulls or the defensive backs, but it just seemed like there were no adjustments. And, you know, when you're going to be facing guys like, you know, even Terry McLaurin in their week one matchup, possibly down the road if they get do get past Washington, Devontae Adams, Tyra Lockett, and DK Metcalf. There are a lot of elite receivers in the NFC that are gonna that are very good route runners with very good quarterbacks. So these tam- these Tampa defensive backs, that's probably gonna be the key to that defense if they want to take their overall game to the next level. They they have to guard the double move better. They have to keep plays in front of them. I absolutely agree. That's really just going to be the, the the keys for Tampa. You know what what separates them from a team like Green Bay. So now let's go to the fourth seed, the NFC East winner at seven and nine, the Washington Football Team. As shy Ron Rivera has now made the playoffs with a losing record on multiple occasions. He went seven eight and one, I believe. Was it twenty? I think it was 2014, 2015, maybe 2015, the year before, uh, or maybe it was 2014. It was the year before, I can't remember the exact year exactly, but it was the year before. It was 2014. It was the year before they went to the Super Bowl, I think. So they went 7-8-1, the Panthers did, with Ron Rivera at the helm and made the playoffs. And now here's Washington with Ron Rivera as the head coach at 7-9 and making the playoffs. And Washington, obviously, they live and die by their front four. Like, no team in the postseason. I mean, the Rams might so now that they'll be missing John Walford, but, or excuse me, missing Jared Goff, or at least have it um, hindered or limited Jared Goff. But the Rams still have, I'd say, a very good uh, defense overall. And Washington actually has a very good secondary as well. But that secondary is going to have to get after Tom Brady basically like Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, O.C. basically like the Giants did in their two Super Bowls. If I'm Washington, I know Tom Brady, that was obviously over a decade ago, at least the the first Super Bowl was, but you, I, I might even watch those games just because we've, we've seen, and even against Philly, if we want a much more recent example in the Super Bowl against Philly, in the Super Bowls Brady has lost, it's because the opposing defensive line has created havoc on Brady. Even, you know, Brady had a great game against the Eagles, but it came down to the Eagles getting a strip sack on Brady. 
and you know that kind of end up winning the game for the Eagles, they're gonna have to get after Brady, and they're gonna have to get after whoever they play, if they want any shot in winning. It helps to have Alex Smith, the guy who he's you know probably not gonna turn the ball over. You know you don't have to worry about you know maybe putting your defense in tight spots, but you're also if you're the defense gonna have to give the offense. In, a, in spots where they can score easily. You know, against an Eagles team uh, last night that may have been actively tanking, the Washington offense did not look great in the second half. The Washington offense in the second half did next to nothing. They got one field goal. So, you know, they're facing a Tampa defense, obviously this week, that falls for the double move. Shy, remember, t- Terry McLaurin has a high ankle sprain. I know he caught a touchdown, but we don't really know the health of him. Antonio Gibson looks solid, but it looks like they're really trying to give McKissick snaps and manage Gibson's workload. This Washington offense doesn't have that much talent to begin with, and their most talented players, although they're playing and good for them for battling through the injuries, they are still injured, and they are severely limited. So that's even more pressure on this defense. And I, I still am of the mindset of offense wins games, defense wins championships. But Alex Smith is going to have to play like he did with the Chiefs, going to have to play like he did with the 49ers if Washington wants a shot to not be one and done and not go home after one game. Because that offense has to perform better than it has the last couple of games. Yeah, it's you said the name of the game is, you know, they ride and die with that defensive front. And they're a great unit. But when they don't get after, you know, the rush, you know, we saw that a little last night, you know, with all this read option and the running threat of Jalen Hurts. I have a feeling the Buccaneers aren't going to run a too much read option. Uh, who knows? Who right. knows? Maybe Tom Brady will show up and finally show off those, you know, galloping legs of his. Who knows? You'll see my point in a second. But, you know, when the, when the, when these pass rushers are being slowed down, whether it's, you know, with the Buccaneers offensive line or whatever it is, you know, when they're when they're slowed down, this secondary, you know, Jalen Hurts was able to find options, you know, and and, and and this Eagles offense was able to move the ball. So, listen, they don't have, I think, when this pass rush isn't getting there, I don't, the secondary is good, and when they make, you know, when this when the pass rush is hurrying opposing quarterbacks, they can make plays on the ball. But when they're not, it's they're vulnerable. And they I don't think they have a lot of the assets on the outside to really cover dynamic weapons, you know, when the quarterbacks are given time to throw. Then offensively, you said it, they're they're not explosive. They're they methodically march the ball downfield and, you know, they have those injuries you know, guys aren't 100% on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, you you have to think if if they don't want to make a first-round exit, this defense is going to have to hold Tampa to, you know, three touchdowns or less, which seems like a really tall task. Because I do not have faith in this Washington football team offense, Alex. Especially when Tampa's offense is clicking on all cylinders, and they're playing their best football. I will say Kendall Fuller's done a great job. So I think you might have faith, especially if maybe Mike Evans is banged up, 
if you put Fuller on one of the receivers for Tampa. And Darby's been a pleasant surprise. But the Bucks don't have one great receiver, or even two. It's Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski. There's so many ways for Tampa to beat you with so many weapons and targets. You don't know if it's going to be an Antonio Brown game. You don't know if it's going to be a Mike Evans game, a Chris Godwin game, or even a Ronald Jones game. Washington has a very good run defense, so I think they will be able to stop the run. But Which isn't exactly Tampa's bread and butter. Yeah, but Tampa has shown they can effectively run the ball. Ron Jones has had some big games this year. No, it's not. Maybe they're. It's not what they're known for. But Tampa, if Tampa has shown they can run the ball, I don't. I think they are going to struggle, and I think Washington should have that on lockdown. But I don't think Washington will have enough secondary pieces to make up for all the weapons that Tampa will be able to throw at. Would be able to throw at them. I will say for Washington, if you are a Washington fan and you're looking for reasons of optimism, the 7-9 Seahawks in 2010-2011 and the 7-8-1 Panthers, which I mentioned earlier, both won playoff games. So, losing record teams in playoffs have had success. So, I guess that, I guess that is something you can at least hang your hat on if you're a Washington football fan looking for reasons of optimism. So, Shai, I'm going to start with you here. Now we're going to go to the number three seed, Seattle Seahawks. Offense has been a little up and down as of late, but that defense, since the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap and then Jamal Adams coming back from injury, has been incredible, especially when you're considering what they were to start the season. Yeah, Alex. I do, you know, starting with the defensive side of the ball, yeah, Jamal Adams is a Swiss Army knife. And... Carl Stenlop has made this pass rush viable now in the postseason. But I'm still skeptical, and I think they will come down to earth. Because I think, especially, you know, in the back end, you know, there's not a lot of, besides those, except for them and maybe Bobby Wagner as well, who's an elite linebacker, there aren't a lot of really, you know, playmakers on the Seattle defense besides they have, those. Three. They have Quandry Diggs, but they don't have that elite guy. They want the guy that you can put on an island. They certainly don't. And I think with, you know, teams like Green Bay that have a Devontae Adams or teams with Chris Godwins and Mike Evans. Yeah, how about about, we're just about Tampa, who has, I think, like four number ones. Exactly. It's, 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 I see, you know, I think they'll be able to hold up and slow some teams down, but that's not going to be the reason they win. They just simply do not have the assets there to win games with defense. So this offense has to be controlling the ball, you know, and, and they have to – I know the whole thing is let Russ cook. And, yeah, you know, they can take the reins off him at times, but they need to run the ball more. I think they've gone away from that a little bit recently, and I think it's important for them to control the pace of the game you know, to to establish things. And, you know, obviously that they have great weapons in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Russell Wilson is still one of the best quarterbacks in this league. I do think running the football is going to be key to take the pressure off, off of their defense, control the ball, control the pace of the game, and uh, will be the key to them potentially getting an upset in the 
second round because I do see them uh, making a splash potentially in these in this postseason. Yeah, I do too. Another team that has Super Bowl aspirations that you know if they were to lose in the championship game, yes, it'd be a good season, but I don't think it would be enough, at least for them, to call it a success of a season. This offense has to be more consistent, and it's tough to say from an offense that is led by Russell Wilson. At the same time, I have confidence that Russell Wilson will show up in the playoffs. I think he's going to make plays in the playoffs. I think he's going to give his chance, give his team more than a chance to win the ball game. It's just a matter of anytime you have Russell Wilson that on your team now in the future you're going to be in the postseason most likely, and he's going to give you a chance to win each and every outing. I'm just saying to running the football to complement that is really going to make them more dynamic and allow them to take you know pressure off of the defense. And possibly also open up the middle of the field for the speedster in Tyler Lockett, the big body receiver in DK Metcalf. It was impressive though when you know, you look at the Rams. I believe last game, Ram like when these when these two teams met, Rams just got nine points and they were really had the ball at the one yard line and couldn't score. Seahawks had an incredible goal line stand. So for a defense that was torched to shreds. For the first, what, eight to ten weeks of the season, I think we do have to give them a lot of credit of how far they've come and that although they might not completely win you a game, they're not going to be a pushover. And they have shown against teams like the Cardinals, even like the Rams, that they can win you a game if maybe the offense isn't playing at its highest level. Russell Wilson has missed the playoffs just one time in his career. He's going to be around for the long haul. I think the Seahawks... Defense, not defense, excuse me, just the Seahawks team is going to be around for the long haul. And I expect the Seahawks to be, no matter how far they go this season, I expect them to be right back in the postseason for years to come. And one more thing, let's not forget about Pete Carroll. You have to give him credit you know, for transforming this defense and whipping them back into shape for this postseason. And anytime you have that combination of Pete Carroll, a guy who's won Super Bowls, an elite coach with an elite quarterback, they're going to be in it. Um, for a long time. Nice job by John Schneider, the general manager, for also pulling off the Dunlap trade, seeing this defense needed a bit of an overhaul, and finding the right guy to get them playing as more of a cohesive unit. So let's go to the number two seed now, the New Orleans Saints. As this team, this might be, obviously their future is very murky. Great, I think they'll be back. But I think they're going to have a different quarterback as soon as next year. It looks like Drew Brees might retire. So at least for Drew Brees, this is it. This is it. This is your opportunity to get that elusive second ring. You know, we always talk about guys like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. You know, they had great careers, but they were too talented to retire with one ring. One ring. And look who the one two seeds are, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Saints, it's Super Bowl or bust. It's been Super Bowl or bust for about three years now, and it's been bust for all three years, losing in heartbreaking fashion time and time again. I think this time, though, their defense is leading the way. This is maybe the most, or at least one of the most complete teams in the NFL. They obviously rely on that defense, but at the same time, I feel like they don't rely on one player or one position entirely the way some other teams do. You sh- with the game being played on Sunday, Kamara should clear COVID protocols by then. And you're also getting Michael Thomas back. 
We saw the Saints team, I know it was against the Panthers, but this team put up over 30 against, or without Alvin Kamara, without Michael Thomas, and now you are getting those guys back. I I think the Saints, obviously, you wanted the one seed, couldn't get it, but I think the Saints are going to make a deep run, and I think this will be it for Drew Brees. He wants that second ring. It's now or never. Yeah, um, I think the the Saints' defense, again, is elite. It's one of the best in the league. Um, and it, it's as you said, it's leading the way. And this running game is, is leading the way offensively right now. And Alvin Kamara has been dynamic. His offensive line is one of the best in football. They're moving, uh, you know, defensive linemen all over the place. Um, so they're going to be a tough out. And I agree, it's Super Bowl or bust. It has to be too many years of disappointment in New Orleans. But really, the one area where I'm skeptical is that passing game. Because I think, although Drew Brees is still, you know, still got Emmanuel Sanders has really stepped up. And their relationship and the production of Sanders has really grown, especially over the last quarter of the season, along with Jared Cook. Again, this offense was very productive this past week. I know it was against the Carolina defense, not world beaters. But still, an NFL defense without Alvin Kamara and without Michael Thomas. So I think that is a big sign of encouragement as we heading head into the postseason. I think that is, but I'm still not convinced. And this Saints passing game doesn't scare me right now, um, and it won't until they until Drew Brees and, and those guys show me otherwise. I think Emmanuel Sanders has been promising that he's been stepping up. Michael Thomas, you know, he's had a disappointing year, derailed by injuries, but. He's going to need to step up and be that guy for Drew Brees, that kind of security uh, security blanket for him. Um, so if this uh, if this passing game can really complement the running game, this team is going to be scary. But Drew Brees has regressed. You know, we've seen him struggle this year. It doesn't help when you have eleven to twelve broken bones <laughs> or broken ribs. Excuse me. Of course, yeah, that doesn't help. But still, I I think. Um, we're going to need to see a little more development in that area because you got to throw the ball to win in the playoffs. Whatever happens, a great career for Drew Brees, a first ballot Hall of Famer. So now let's wrap up the NFC with the Green Bay Packers, another quarterback where Rodgers, I still think, has years before he's going to retire, but he's not 25 anymore, and he's still looking for that second Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl bust for this team as well. You know, there's, this is another complete team, and I challenged this Packers team when they went up against the Titans to stop Derrick Henry. And I know, obviously, game script probably helped in that, but that run defense has come a long way since last year's NFC Championship game. And I expect the Packers to be in this year's NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers throwing for nearly 50 touchdowns this year. He's playing some of the best football of his career I, this this offense, you know, everyone's like, oh, they don't they don't take receivers in the first round. They don't, but they also are pretty good at developing receivers. And Marquez Valdez Scantley, Alan Lazard, they even solid, you know, receivers, solid complementary pieces to Devontae Adams, who also was not a first round pick. You don't have to draft guys in the first round for them to become stars or for them to become nice complementary pieces. Robert Tanyan is having a career year. And then this defense, led by Jair Alexander, who's been a shutdown corner, has been incredible all season long, really, at least for the most part. The Smith brothers, I think, 
obviously are going to have to continue to step up. But this Packers defense has come a long way since that since the NFC Championship game last year, and that's why I'm more confident that they're that they're going to be more competitive in each and every game. And if they do get to that NFC Championship game, I don't think they're going to be an easy out like they were last year for San Francisco. Yeah, this Packers defense, all the questions seem to be asked and answered for me. You know, they're not the best unit out there in these playoffs, but they're certainly uh, up there. And and they've shown the ability to stop Derrick Henry. Aaron Rodgers' MVP career year. To me, it's going to be, can these receivers, as complimentary pieces, continue to step up in this postseason? Because if so, they're probably the toughest out in this NFC. So now let's go AFC. We're going to start with the Indianapolis Colts, another team led by a quarterback who I think will be retiring at the end of the season in Phillip Rivers. It's now or never for Phillip Rivers to get that first ring, to get his first Super Bowl appearance. This Colts team is very well-rounded. I just don't think they're elite in one area, and I think that might kind of doom them because we see really all the other teams that are ahead of them. It feels like they're... You know, they might be maybe not as well rounded as the Colts are, but they're elite in one area. I will say that Colts running game led by Jonathan Taylor has been incredible the last few weeks. Taylor is playing incredible, and you really see his development throughout the season as he's quickly becoming one of the better running backs in the NFL. So the Colts, they have to stick to the run, stick to what they do best, and I don't care that it was against the Jaguars. 253 rushing yards is 253 rushing yards in the NFL. So you're going to have to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor if they want to have a chance to upset the Bills and move on. Yeah, the Colts are they're, they're the seventh seed, but they're not the worst team in this AFC picture. Um, I think they, they, the key for them is keeping the ball on the ground, relying on this big offensive line, and, you know, you know, was simply ha- letting their the defense has to wreak havoc with those four guys. DeForest Buckner is going to be, it's going to be key. It's consistency on all fronts for this Colts team. That is what's going to lead to maybe an upset in the first round. Who knows? But it's the key is to consistency. We can't. You know, we saw that Pittsburgh game, seventeen point deficit. That's unacceptable. That cannot happen again. The future looks murky. Philip Rivers probably will not be the quarterback next year. But the pieces around that position, kind of like before Phillip Rivers came came in, are still there. So it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for Indianapolis after a potential postseason run. Definitely pieces around that if they want to bring a young quarterback in, he could possibly thrive or at least survive right away. So now let's go to the Cleveland Browns, who they have to get back to... Obviously, they got back to running the football against the Steelers, but... Against the Steelers team that was benching most of their starters, it was obviously very too close for comfort. And now they have the matchup against the same team, but not really the same team as the Steelers obviously benched Big Ben, benched TJ Watt. I believe Stefan Tuitt, Kim Hayward, they weren't playing. Marquise Pouncey wasn't playing. Like Stefan Tuitt did play. Oh, he did play. Excuse me. But the point is, most of Pittsburgh's premier players were out, and they won by two points. That definitely makes me worried if I'm a Browns fan. Good for the Browns for finally making the playoffs. But they're going to have to play much cleaner football and much better football. And if you're Baker Mayfield, you cannot, cannot turn the ball over against an elite Steelers defense if you want to advance and go on a nice playoff run. Yeah, you said it completely. This Week 17 performance was really, you know, they won. Congratulations to them. 
they made the playoffs the first time. Are, are they your, you said the Colts weren't the worst team. Is this what you were hinting at? Yes, the Browns, to me, are the clear team with the most weaknesses in this AFC picture. This running game is what this offense relies on. This, you know, Baker Mayfield is not a drop-back quarterback. That's no secret. He relies on the run game. He relies on the play action. He's a scheme quarterback. He's not going to be able to sit there, you know, in the shotgun and throw the ball down the field to win games. They simply cannot. And their running game is not on the same level as that of a Baltimore Ravens that of a Tennessee Titans. It's not quite there. And then defensively, nothing really scares me there. Yes, Miles Garrett can be a game wrecker. But no Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon Vernon ruptured his Achilles. He's out for the year, which is obviously going to be tough for that pass rush. You can direct more attention to Sheldon Richardson and Miles Garrett. Yeah, they've... And I think Miles Garrett has been limited of the last few weeks. He's been seeing more chips, you know... And, and he's been contained. Now, apparent, against the Steelers, he was on a limited snap count. I don't know if that was, you know, precautionary just to keep him fresh for the playoffs. They said there was an arm issue, perhaps. He, I expect him to be 100% uh, for their matchup with the Steelers. But I, I, I think this team, especially in the secondary, has really struggled. And defensively, they're, they're not really up to par. Steelers will be missing Joe Hayden, which could be... A pretty big loss. We'll see if Denzel Ward will be back. I don't know if he'll be eligible, though, for this game either. So, Shine, now, now let's go to the final wildcard team. But they're barely a wildcard team at that. The Baltimore Ravens. Ravens-Titans, I think, will be the best game of the weekend. We'll talk more about the game again on a later episode. But Baltimore, they're, we're talking about, you know, you got to be playing your best football they ran for 404 yards against the Bengals. No, that was not their total offense. That was just their rushing yards. This team cannot be playing better football. I know you're going to bring up their competition. It hasn't been, you know, the elite of the elite. But 404 rushing yards, that is crazy. Some, So I think the Ravens, they're playing their best football. No matter who it's against, it builds confidence in the coordinators and coaches and the players, and they're going to be ready to come out and a uh, bit of a revenge game against the Titans. Yeah, I think this this Baltimore Ravens team is the third best in the AFC, uh, and I think there's a drop off after you know Chiefs, Bills, Ravens. I think there's a big dip. Putting them ahead of your your own Steelers, by far ahead, Alex. This running game is so dynamic. Lamar and Lamar Jackson has been shown that he can throw the ball. You know, he's not a drop back passer again, but he can throw the ball you know, when he when, has to. When he we has saw that to. against Cleveland, big game down in the wire. He made plays when he had to, not just in the run game. Exactly, this offense is potent. It's dynamic, and there aren't really teams that can stop them. And they can really make a splash. I think they can pull up a lot of upsets potentially, um, and make a big run in this postseason and you know with the young guys that they have i think i expect them to be back here in the future as well you know competing defensively the one thing i will say the secondary is great excellent marlon humphrey marcus peters they play man coverage they can lock down receivers you know and it allows them to blitz because they're confident in those corners 
but they struggle, you know, defending the run a little bit. This is a team you can run on, and they struggle getting pressure with four guys, which is why they have to supplement um, with that blitz. So I think that is one potential weakness um, in the Baltimore game, which is otherwise extremely strong and playing um, great football at the moment. I kept. I talked all year. This defense is the reason why here. The defense is leading the way. Lamar Jackson over these last few games is starting to play like the MVP he was last year, and what we expected coming into the year, taking maybe some of the strides we thought he would in this year, as he's playing his best football of the season, which is what you want when your quarter with your quarterback heading into the postseason. So now let's go to the division winners in the AFC. Shy. What are your thoughts on the Tennessee Titans as they have their own dominant run game, but a much different style than the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, it's physicality on offense. You know, they they have a, a, a strong offensive line, big runner in Derrick Henry, who who ma- really makes this offense go. Uh, he's so valuable. And they're, the way they run the ball, it allows them to dominate time of possession, which is going to be crucial against some of these potent offenses they're going to be up against. And then Ryan Tannehill has played great football. The play action, even just dropping back, something that I think maybe a Baker Mayfield or Lamar doesn't do as well. I think Tannehill can sit there in the shotgun and throw to a receiver like A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. I think that it can happen. I think this Tennessee offense is potent, and it can be really good. Defensively, Oh, my. Very suspect. Suspect is putting it generously. Yeah, it's it's really concerning. It's well coached, and that's really the only thing you can't say. And I'm not I'm not throwing that term around there, you know, just to you know as petty points for the Tennessee defense, which it may seem like, but they are well coached. They are well disciplined, and you know I don't want to preview too much into this Baltimore game, but we've seen them, you know, slow down this Baltimore running game, and that's. Really well, good coaching by uh, Mike Rabel. But again, it's a different team this year, so it will be interesting to see if this defense can still hold fast in the run. Because we know pretty much, I think the dice are on the table with that secondary. It's not good. Yeah, and Dobbins, you know, I talked with Jonathan Taylor. Dobbins, another rookie running back. He's playing his best football. Everything's kind of working for the Ravens, as I just wanted to mention that. But going back to the Titans, you know, we talked. We talked about the power of the run game. They're also incredibly explosive in the pass game. They take their deep shots, and most of the times they connect. They know how to use the run and then use play action off of that. So I think that's just a great job of Arthur Smith scheming up. He's a great play caller. He, I feel like his timing of when to use different uh, schemes, different plays, is great. And a big reason why he also is in the market for a potential head coaching job but hey rematch of last year's divisional playoff game we'll obviously get more into it uh, later in the week but this will be a really fun matchup as Ravens are playing their best football Titans offense is playing their best football but that Titans defense if they want to get back to the AFC championship game they have to play much better especially that secondary that secondary has been really atrocious for most of the season Malcolm Butler is not what the Titans signed him to be the Titans are gonna have to you know create stops especially limit big plays they have to limit big plays they're gonna have to limit deep shots down the field even if that's not the Ravens mo 
they're going to have to limit the explosive plays if they want to have any shot of advancing. So, Shy, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. Um, now let's go to the three seed, and that obvious. Excuse me, <laughs> and that obviously is your Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, uh, even you know they rested most of, their, most of their stars, but they look good. They look good against the Browns, and it seems like after a bad, really three and a half games, last game and a half, despite the loss against Cleveland, they seem to be at, be back on track. Big Ben rested. He probably needed it after the hyperextended knee he suffered against Washington. But we all know it's going to rely on that defense. And can they shut down teams like many expected to coming in the year? They're an explo- When they're great, they're taking shots downfield. They're explosive. They have to get back to that. But they have not been able to run the ball at all. Yeah, Alex. When I look at the Steelers and being a Steelers fan, it just feels kind of like a second-round exit. That's what the expectation is for me. Obviously, I want more, but I just realistically, the, the body of work that this team has put in, you know, obviously a great start, 11-0 start, but still, the body of work lost four out of their last five games. Yeah, the Cleveland, you know, it's, you know, that game was, they weren't really playing, they were playing to win, obviously, but they, a lot of guys were out, a lot of their second-teamers were in, but still, I think this defense, we're no, we know what they're getting. We know what we're getting. This is a team, despite losses of Devin Bush and Bud Dupree, this is a team that can still get after the passer. T.J. Watt, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, game wrecker. You know, Hayward, to it. They can collapse that pocket. That's going to be They have to run the ball, though. Their offensive line, which is much older than it used to be and obviously has been a little bit of a decline, they haven't been able to run block, I feel like, all year. Yeah, and I'm just getting that. This, I mean, this defense, it's not going to be... It's going to keep you in every game, but without with the loss of Bud Dupree and the loss of Devin Bush... It's and not Joe Hayden. Gonna, and Joe Hayden, it looks like for this first round, it's, it's not going to be... You can't have that defense carry you. It's not... It's great, but it's not that great. This offense is going to need to do something. And... The dice are on the table, again, for this Steelers run game. It's hopeless and hapless. They can't run the ball. It's going to be on the passing game. Yeah, they need to be able to get a yard on the goal line, which is not a sure thing, but they're going to really need to be explosive in the pass game, turn it on, and be consistent. But Ben Roethlisberger call his own plays, Alex. I think that's, that's basically the last point I'm going to make is consistency. Big Ben has been very consistent. I don't know if that's because of the knee injury, but he started off great. Then he went on this slump where he couldn't do anything, and then the second half against the Colts, he looked much better. But consistency is what the Steelers are going to have to be. And that's really for any team, but I feel like the Steelers, which has been lacking that as of late, really has to get back to just being a consistently, fundamentally sound football team. So now let's go to the number two seed, the Buffalo Bills, who are blowing out every team in their way, it seems like, and they are playing incredible football. Football in Buffalo, I think, is always a fun Fun thing to watch. And, uh, you know, Bills, it looks like they're poised for a deep run and a team that should stick around. Good coaching, a young quarterback who's still on his rookie deal. Bills should be here to stay for a while. Yeah, this team is elite. This offense, you know, when we thought the defense would lead the way this year, it's been the offense. They are so potent. 
Josh Allen has looked, you know, maybe he's not the front runner for the MVP, but he's an MVP candidate for sure, in my opinion. So I think what's going to come down to is what team steps up to beat them. Because right now, I don't know, you know, Kansas City, that'll be a game. But I think the Bills, I don't know if we should be looking at it is can the Bills take on Kansas City? Maybe it's can Kansas City take on the Bills? I still think, you know, there's a saying, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And the Chiefs have the one seed. You know, they lost, they lost when they rested everyone, so they end up finishing 14-2. and two. They beat the Bills, though, earlier this season. So I still think the Chiefs should be the favorites coming into the playoffs, and we'll get to the Chiefs in a bit. But the Bills have been very impressive on all, on all accounts. And remember, we talked about how it's going to be the defense to carry this team. Then it was Josh Allen and how the defense was lacking. Everything is coming together now for this Bills team. The defense is playing at a much higher level than it did earlier in the year. We saw with the Josh Norman pick six. The combination of Josh Norman, Tredavious Wen, the back end is playing better. Jordan Porter is playing really well. You know, the de- the defense is playing kind of how I think both of us thought heading into the year on top of Josh Allen exceeding, I think, everyone's expectations. The run game, I think, has been a little bit absent, you know, a little bit non-existent. But I think that's also understandable when you're looking at uh, I, just how explosive this pass offense. And Allen's just doing a great job of spreading the ball around. You know, you look at Isaiah McKenzie is making plays. John Brown's making big plays. Obviously, Stephon Diggs has been incredible. Cole Beasley has been a great safety blanket. Dawson Knox, they're using in the red zone and using on big big third down. The Bills are using everyone on offense. They're playing, again, as a team. And I feel like when you're able to use that many guys and you're not just relying on your star players, that's when... You know, you can make a deep run. And as I said before, the Bills, a lot of these guys are young. A lot of these guys are under contract for the foreseeable future. So the Bills should be here to stay for quite a while. I still think you have to give the nod to Kansas City in terms of who's the favorite. But I definitely think the Bills are making a surge. And by the time, and if this is a potential AFC Championship matchup, it should definitely be a fun one. So, Shy, let's wrap up the podcast talking about those Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the, the Bills might be the most um, balanced team, but like we talked about the Colts and we said how they don't have, they're not elite in one area. I think the Chiefs are they're pretty elite in an area. Maybe, maybe at a quarterback. Yeah, uh, you can say that again. And I, you know. I just try to spend a lot of time finding a weakness in this Chiefs offense, this Chiefs passing game, because they're the driver. You know, but defense, yeah, we know, you know, they can move the ball against them. They've been inconsistent. But But they're respectable. I'd say that defense is respectable and can get a stop when they need one. Yeah, sure. You know, respectable or not, it might not matter if you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Alex. So, I I think the the way to beat the Chiefs, you know, if any team is going to come close, and you really got to nitpick to find something, but it's got to get pressure with four guys. You can't blitz Mahomes. That doesn't work. You've got to be able to get pressure with four, make him drop back far in the pocket into a rush. And then, you know, you got to make them methodically march the ball downfield and keep everything in front of you and hope 
for a mistake. That's really all you can do. Because this Chiefs offense, it's explosive, and it's really hard to stop. Yeah, and I think, you know, I talked about with Brady how you really have to get pressure with four guys. With Mahomes, you can get pressure with four guys, but because of how elusive he is and how he can make plays from really at any point on the football field, you you have to also keep him within the pocket. You know, with guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees, you know, you really don't have to worry about keeping him within the pocket. Just get pressure. With the Chiefs, you really, you know, if you're an opposing D lineman, you really have to set the edge, seal the edge, keep him within the pocket, and then try to force him, instead of, instead of forcing him to the left or right, force him to step up, and that's when you have to rely, hopefully, on your defensive tackles to collapse the pocket. Mahomes, I, I, there's not enough words to describe Mahomes, but it's also crazy when you add in, oh yeah, they have maybe the fastest player in the NFL in Hill, one of the best receiving, maybe the be- the best receiving tight end in Travis Kelsey. And look, that defense is not world are not world beaters. You know they're not going to shut out a team. They're not going to hold a team to you know fourteen points or under. But when you need a stop, they can get a stop. And we I think we saw that in the playoffs. Niners they had the lead. We saw with the Texans. You know we saw teams. Everyone talks about wow, great job by Mahomes. He was down double digits in every game, and he came back. Well, if you're down double digits, but the team keeps on scoring, it doesn't matter what your offense can do. Because if the team keeps on scoring and they're already winning, they're going to end up winning the ball game. So we saw this defense also, when it mattered most, was able to get stops, led by Steve Spagnuolo, who's very experienced, especially in the postseason. Key pieces like Tyron Matthew, experience in the postseason, this Chiefs team, they might not be the well, the most well-rounded, but they're elite on one side, and the other side is plenty respectable, and even uh, maybe a bit underrated, given that all the talk, and I really mean all the talk, is about that Kansas City Chiefs offense. So, Shy, we made it through 256 regular games. What a season it was. What a regular season it was. We're obviously on our next podcast later. We're going to preview all the wildcard games and also take take you through on some of the Black Monday action. We did not have time to talk about some of the firings that have happened today. We'll get more into that on our next episode. Shy, as kind of these last minute, minute and a half, what's your final take on the NFL regular season and then as we head into the NFL postseason? Yeah, I think we said, as you said this a little bit before, But uh, kudos to the NFL. You know, they've done a great job. And, um... Well, except except they're allowing tanking, apparently. Yeah, I was about to say, the only thing is, I wish it would have ended better. And I... I, We don't have time to really get into it, but I really think that what the Philadelphia Eagles did with Jalen, you know, benching Jalen Hurts to... Where they seem like they were trying to lose the game. And it was really just... It was shameful, Alex, to close out a great season. I have a lot of thoughts on this, obviously, and I'm a Giants fan, and yes, it, you know, it affected the Giants, but they, it goes beyond, you know, me wanting, obviously, Giants to make the playoffs. It goes beyond that. You're, you, you're messing with the integrity of the game, of the great game that the NFL has become, and a game that we all seem to enjoy. You know, I, we do this podcast because we love talking about the NFL. We love talking all things football. And it's just unfortunate to see a team mess with the integrity of the game the way the Eagles did when you look at teams like the Jaguars and Jets who 
you know, they could have tanked for the number one pick, and they didn't. They tried hard. They played hard for all their games. You look at what Deshaun Watson said, or sorry, not just J.J. Watt said, about playing hard each and every week regardless of record. And it's unfortunate that the Philadelphia Eagles did not do that to close out their season. That's all the time we have on this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. We'll see you later this week for a wild card preview.